Hey, World Changing Ideas listeners, we've got a special bonus episode for you this week. Since we're celebrating Earth Month, we wanted to bring you another great innovation on sustainability. Enjoy the show and happy Earth Day tomorrow. It is purely being wasted, sadly, just due to cosmetic or surplus reasons where it's just simply too big or too small or maybe curvy or off shape or off color. And so really nothing to do with the actual quality or food safety of the food. I'm Talib Vizram, and this is World Changing Ideas, where we investigate how leading innovators are solving our most challenging issues. On today's episode, Ending Food Waste. Last year, carbon dioxide emissions noticeably decreased because of the pandemic. Airplanes were grounded and travel was curtailed around the world. Despite that dip though, the UN Environment Programme only calculated a 0.01 degree Celsius reduction of global warming by 2050. Part of that may be caused by a return to pre-COVID-19 activities after lockdown measures are lifted, but another major reason is food waste. Food loss and waste also squanders natural resources, water, soil and energy, not to mention human labor and time. It worsens climate change, given the significant role of agriculture in generating greenhouse gas emissions. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres spoke last September on the first International Day of Awareness of Food Loss and Waste. He said it's an ethical outrage that the world has enough food to feed everybody but 690 million people continue to go hungry and 3 billion can't afford a healthy diet. One of the UN's sustainable development goals is to cut food waste in half by 2030. While many countries are taking action, we need to step up efforts. The COVID-19 pandemic has underlined the fragility of our food systems and worsened food loss and waste in many countries. But even before the pandemic hit, food waste was an issue. A report by the Natural Resources Defense Council in 2012 found that 40% of food in the United States goes uneaten. That's about 400 pounds of food per person every year. And a significant amount of food waste happens before we even have a chance to buy it. Because it is wasted elsewhere in the food chain. Because supermarkets change their orders in the last minute. Because good weather suddenly creates more crops than expected or because fruits and vegetables don't look like they're supposed to look. Fiona Jongjans is a Dutch industrial designer and entrepreneur who has worked on several projects to reduce food waste. Food waste not only takes up land and water resources, it also accounts for the biggest portion of landfills. And when it rots in a landfill, it emits methane. Yongyans believes bridging the gap between food waste and food poverty depends on people changing their consumer behavior. Let's look at the food chain 50 years ago. We bought indeed our milk at the farm, our meat at the butcher instead of the supermarket, and our bread at the bakery. So the distance between producer and consumer was as close as it could be. But when we look at the food chain right now, we have no clue anymore how much time and energy and resources are invested in our food. 
To tackle this, Yongyan's designed an online platform that aimed to connect local food banks with fruit and vegetable farmers. But in order to get on track with the Paris Agreement target to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius, we need something that will fundamentally change our food system. Something that connects farmers directly to retailers on a digital platform and intrinsically encourages sustainability. Something like what my guest today decided to create. Christine Mosley has been called one of the most innovative women in food and tech and was in the top 20 of Forbes's women-led startups that are crushing tech. In an industry not known for its innovation opportunities, Christine has been able to break through with her company, Full Harvest. And it also won one of last year's Fast Company World Changing Ideas Awards. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you. It's great to be here. We uh, spoke actually on the phone last year when Full Harvest won a world-changing idea. Um, So it's nice to speak to you again. Yeah, a lot's happened since then, but we were thrilled to hear about the award. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about some of the developments. But let's start from the beginning for those that weren't on the call, which is everyone else. So, you know, let's go back to how you first got started in the food waste industry. I know that you founded a nonprofit. You also worked at Fortune 100 companies. So how did those experiences help you create a company like Full Harvest? Yeah, definitely. Well, on the founding a nonprofit side instilled a sense of an entrepreneurial spirit. That was one of the things that I had done in my life that I felt like was what I was meant to do the rest of my life was to be an entrepreneur just because of the joy I got out of building something and seeing the results firsthand. My nonprofit's still around 20 years later, so it's great to see the impact and, you know, the fact that that wouldn't be there otherwise. And at the same time, you know, after getting best practice experience at Fortune 100 companies, it was also to get the other end of work experience to see how really large-scaled companies work. And Full Harvest came about after both of those, where I helped to scale one of the first green juice companies in the U.S., and saw a huge opportunity to be more sustainable and more affordable along the supply chain, just because I saw how much was being wasted in the produce that was being used. And the fact that, you know, we were charging $13 for green juices, just because we were paying top dollar for perfect looking produce to then immediately process it. So, you know, some of our listeners might think food waste companies and think of your imperfect foods or or misfits market. How does Full Harvest stand out from, from those companies? We get asked this a lot. So we totally understand because we're all working towards solving food waste, which is really important and love their missions. But they are focused on business to consumer. So they're only targeting consumers, whereas we are the first business to business solution for farmers uh, to sell their excess produce to businesses that then use that produce in products you know, on store shelves and to processors that process in some way to go into food products as well. That on top of the fact that we really are in the business aspect, digitizing the supply chain for produce. So we are truly a tech company and an innovation company where we are, you know, trying to build the pipes of the produce industry, you know, that is up to 96% offline currently with paper and pen and emails and text messages. So that is in our execution, a big difference as well. So just walk us through kind of how the B2B model works. Um, Is it, it's essentially a a matching platform? 
Yeah, it's a great question. So growers at any time can within you know 60 seconds or less post on our marketplace what they have in terms of excess produce that they're having a hard time to sell. You know, that can be anything that's surplus and imperfect, but perfectly edible. And we give them, you know, a huge breadth of buyers that would be interested in that product, which they may not have had access to. And then buyers come on and it's very easy to use, although complex on the back end, similar to an Amazon-like experience to make it as simple as possible for them to buy produce in a few clicks of a button. So saving them up to 95% of their time. So really bringing the produce supply chain online in an easy to use way. Christine, food waste is the third biggest cause of climate change from methane emissions and the use of water resources. But how does Full Harvest plan to achieve not only sustainability, but also combat further climate change? So shocking enough, an update to the recent data came out from Project Drawdown, and they've found that food waste is now the number one contributor to climate change even over cars and cows. So it's a very large, urgent problem that we need to solve. And the way that we're solving it is by specifically focusing on the farm level, because more than 25% of all edible produce in the US alone does not leave farms. And that is a huge opportunity, not only for sales for these growers, a lot of which are struggling, but to make a huge dent in the food waste problem on a daily basis, because every single day that amount is being wasted and could be used for other food products. And so we're attacking it in a scalable way, specifically at the farm level for that reason, and really believe at scale, we can make a big impact in the climate change problem. You know, Christine, could you give us a few examples of what some of this produce looks like that people don't want to buy because of, you know, what it looks like superficially? Yeah, so as I said, it's perfectly edible and it actually comes straight from the farm. So it's actually faster and fresher. It doesn't sit in a warehouse for several days. We ship direct to our buyers and it is purely being wasted, sadly, just due to cosmetic or surplus reasons. It either was too much of it was grown or forecasting was off or a customer backed out or it is cosmetic reasons where it's just simply too big or too small or maybe curvy or off shape or off color. And so really nothing to do with the actual quality or food safety of the food. I think last time we talked, you, you told me that your romaine hearts don't have to be hearts. You can, you can eat the, uh, the stuff externally. Was that right? Yes, that's also a huge issue is byproducts. And so what I think a lot of consumers don't know because we need to make people aware is that if you purchase something that's cut up or a portion of a piece of produce, sadly, the truth is there is a very strong chance that the rest of that produce item was completely wasted in order to get to that portion of the product. And so romaine in this US, about 65% is wasted. So more is wasted than actually consumed because grocery stores are selling just the heart, which is the center portion of it to perfectly bag it in plastic for sale. Same thing with celery. They just harvest usually the hearts to perfectly bag it for grocery stores. And so there's an opportunity to purchase the whole product and also things like cut up watermelon in the grocery store that wastes a lot. So a huge way to make an impact as a consumer is to purchase whole produce items, you know, and if you need to at farmer's markets, because that's sometimes where you can find that. Yeah, the more you do that, the less waste there is. You know, on on a cultural level, how can we make people feel better about eating food that doesn't look right to them? You know, they're they're not accustomed to cucumbers looking too curvy or apples looking too big. You know, how do we get past that culturally? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I think there are some companies that have done a great job at this on the consumer side in terms of education and also social media campaigns, you know, making quote unquote ugly vegetables looking cute, you know, the ones where carrots have legs or, um, you know, a tomato or apple looks like it's in the shape of a heart. And so I think that there have been some great social media campaigns trying to not only bring awareness to the issue, but to make people realize that ugly is the new beautiful and that, you know, you can make a big impact by embracing imperfect, which I think Mm -hmm. is kind of a metaphor for society right now. I think the more that we can embrace imperfection and, you know, all walks of produce and life, the better. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's very true. How do you think that we can fix the disconnect between consumers and agricultural producers? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the food supply chain and consumers are intertwined. And I think we've gotten away from that over the last, you know, several decades. But people are now starting to try to bring agriculture closer to people in education and awareness. And at the end of the day, the food supply chain needs to become more sustainable and better infrastructure needs to be put in place in order to create more sustainable consumer products. And so that's really what we're solving. The consumers have hugely started to demand sustainable products. It's now the waste reduction is the number one trend of consumer relevance in food. Number two is sourcing responsibly. And so the tides are turning and we truly believe that the next organic wave will be this trend for upcycled and rescued products. And so therefore we are creating that supply chain for businesses to cater towards this consumer demand. And so that will be a way to bring the food supply chain more sustainably closer to these consumers so that they can purchase products with full harvest produce in it, that then they can make an impact with their dollars on food waste. Can you elaborate on what your goals are to democratize healthy food? Sure. So at the end of the day, it's all about supply and demand. And unfortunately, the supply for land and water and resources is starting to diminish due to climate change and us maximizing our resources. But the demand for produce is skyrocketing and is expected to continue for the foreseeable future, given that people are becoming more plant-based and looking for more healthy products. And so it's critical that we create more efficient markets utilizing technology and innovation in order to bring more supply that is already being grown and is perfectly edible into the system to keep prices down. And at the same time, leveraging technology like ourselves in order to be more efficient and data-driven to improve bottom line efficiencies and savings. You know, Christine, when, when we chatted last year, you told me about some of the benefits that Full Harvest Method had had on the industry. It increased farm yields by up to 30%. And the produce that you helped sell saved over a billion gallons of water and 7 million kilograms of CO2 emissions. So what kind of progress have you seen since then? Yeah, so excited to share that in just a year, we've almost doubled our impact. So we're now at over 35 million pounds of excess produce sold to date. That's almost double in a year what we had in terms of impact last year. That's incredible. Do you find that the pandemic has affected those goals at all? uh, And how so? Yeah, if anything, I think COVID shed a light on how critical technology is needed for, you know, situations that are unpredictable and supply demand shifts. And so, you know, we were fortunate enough and feel grateful to be able to have helped out during a time of need where we have actually leveraged our technology and our expertise to not only grow our business and help farmers that were struggling hugely during the pandemic. You saw the photos in the New York Times of how much more food was being wasted 
and how many more people were going hungry, that was due to a lack of technology being able to help people quickly shift supply demand to new markets. And so we stepped in and helped, you know, during COVID, we're also able to help feed over 250,000 food insecure families in partnership with Salesforce and World Central Kitchen and Eat, Learn, Play Foundation. At the end of the day, you know, it just shows how much technology is needed for farms and markets to be able to find transparency and move quickly through shifts in supply demand. Absolutely. And finally, Christina, you know, in terms of next steps, I know you've said that you plan to become a billion dollar company. Can you expand a little bit on that goal? Sure. So the produce industry globally is more than $600 billion and it's up to 96% offline currently. So huge opportunity to digitize the supply chain. And, you know, we have over five years of experience solving for this problem. We see the opportunity to help digitize the whole produce supply chain globally and, you know, make the market more efficient, more sustainable, more digital all at once. Amazing. Well, Christine, it's been great catching up with you and, and sharing your story with our audience. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat again. So I feel a little bit guilty because I know that I've gone to the grocery store and you know made judgments about what I should buy based on what things look like. And I think that's what grocery marketers have us believe as well, right? That um, we should buy you know, carrots that look cute, as Christine said. I think it's just important to have a business model such as this that has the opportunity to connect agricultural producers with businesses. Full Harvest has really shown the effect that it can have. I mean, when I heard those stats, they're pretty incredible. And to see that they've doubled the amount of produce solved almost in the last year, despite the pandemic, I think that's really encouraging. That's it for our show today. Join us next time to learn more about the innovative leaders seeking to make a difference in our ever-changing world. Please give us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Talib Vizram. Our show is produced and edited by Avery Miles. 